Welcome everyone. Today is the first part of a three-part series on food. You'll hear us mentioning takeout and compost, but we don't quite get there today, so we made it a three-part series. This first part is on meal kits. A couple of notes. For reference photos, go to Instagram at WTH Do I Do With This? Also in the episode, we mentioned something that we don't define, so I wanted to define it for you now. A MRF, a Materials Recovery Facility. That's that facility that initially receives and separates your recyclables. And we'll do a mini episode on what a MRF is. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, I'm Oakley Jennings Fast. And I'm Sarah Fuentes. Welcome to What the Hell Do I Do With This? This is the podcast about circular economy, the life cycle of stuff, and where you fit into it. Okay, so I have a story for you. I was at the deli counter yesterday and the guy behind the counter said, hey, I like your eyebrows. (laughs) And that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) I was like, I had my mask on. He had his mask on. And I was like too embarrassed for him to clarify if that is what he said. But it wasn't just eyes. It was like, I something, right? And so I was like, Thank you. I just didn't, like, I kind of wanted to put an end to this, like, you know, but I thought, what an interesting compliment. And then I think he even said, yeah, I see a lot of eyebrows. (laughs) That was the corniest pickup line ever. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I am raising my eyebrow at you now because this doesn't, it's so weird. Yeah. But okay. So this is my like bizarre segue into our topic today, which is about food and takeout food. Most of our topic today is about all of this takeout food and all of this delivery that we've been getting, especially during COVID. I'm really excited for this topic. It's very relevant. So we have, as always, some examples of both meal kit and food delivery items, and we'll talk about those. And we'll start with end of life, and then I will talk about more of the implications at the end. So I personally do not do the pre-order meal kit, but I know some people that do. And I asked them to keep this packaging for me, everything that it comes with, so I could see and get, get involved. So here, this is from HelloFresh. It's a box. And on the box, it says 100% of our carbon emissions are offset. You're reducing your food waste by at least 25%. Can we get a kale? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even the box is like screaming environmental, like the marketing of this is very All the way around, you know, it's this green and brown box. Uh, The meal you're about to make isn't the only thing to get excited about. And then it talks, it, it says some highlighted things like unpack the bags. They can go straight into the recycling with the separator. Empty ice packs. Once they've melted, drain and dispose as directed on the ice pack. So let's just go in there. So inside the box, there is this type of packaging. It's something that's tempered for cold material. So if the ice packs have condensation, it does not get the box wet and soggy for it to rip open. So Mm. this is why they put this liner on the inside of the, the cardboard box to avoid condensation, because as we know, the ice packs will melt and then they'll get uh, water from the condensation. And for at least organic materials, the water could seep through the cardboard. So this is why they put this liner in there. 
Now, this is one of those things that's double-sided. It has that mylar on the front to keep it tempered. So you could technically use this in another bag, like a paper bag when you go to the grocery store and repurpose this. That's a really cool mm -hmm. thing to do. And then inside there's paper bags. So it looks like every meal comes in a paper bag. I'm just going to go through one meal. Okay. And then inside of it, and I got the spaghetti, <laughs> uh, plastic wrapper, the tomato box. And this is one of those ones that has the foil liner on the inside. Okay. So it's cardboard on the outside, foil liner on the inside, two different types of material. So you can't recycle that. You're not recycle it unless, unless you are collecting a lot of them. This goes into the whole volume is the name of the game. Another plastic liner. And then this is the salt or the package that they give you for the spices. It smells pretty good. And then this <laughs> one is the beef one. And once again, these are all landfill materials. These are all considered wrappers that we would put in the landfill. So, so far from the first meal, we have one, two, three items that are landfill items. Which is the, the container that's lined with foil and the, the spice packet and the, the beef, beef flavor. Basic, so basically flimsy plastic and mm -hmm. mixed media. <laughs> Yep. Material. That's not the now, right term. Depending <laughs> on where this person lives, will these flimsies be acceptable in uh, their recycling stream at home? Because these are typically bought and sent to their home, right? Where they're cooking at home. So these are also most likely landfill items. So we're talking five landfill items out of one mill. And what you're including in that is the spaghetti container and the other like flimsy plastic film. Correct. Basically That's flimsy plastic film. Yes, this right here. And yes, it is plastic. And yes, plastic is recyclable. But once again, depending on where you live, is that acceptable in that hauler's waste stream? And do they have enough material to justify and have a downstream provider for that or downstream buyer for that? So this material doesn't weigh a lot, maybe an ounce two ounces mm -hmm, okay mm -hmm. not not doesn't weigh a lot the hundred percent recyclable item is the brown paper bag that the whole meal package came in so and going... and we've covered this before but there's that sticker on it you can be super nice and amazing and remove that sticker but it's less than five percent of that service area you're good to go once I have again, one the, question for you about sure. those paper bags. I wonder if they're lined with any sort of wax. These do not have the wax liner. Is there a way that you could tell? Yes, you could put it in water. If it's a little bit more water resistant, then you would have to do one of each in order to tell. You couldn't just do one. You'd have to do one with wax and one without wax to see the difference. Otherwise, it's not a true good test, in my opinion. That is such a good tip that you could just run it underwater and see if yeah, there's just lining underwater. on the inside. If it's a little bit more resistance to water condensation, it would look like that it had wax in it. So now to the interesting thing I think out of this box is the ice pack. Now there's two ice packs in this box. They're totally thawed out, okay? It took about two and a half days of it just being out to thaw it out. Oh, this one actually has where it's manufactured. So gel pack by Pelton Shepherd Industries, yeah, yeah, yeah. blue ice. Okay. So 
This one right here, it says, and this is all the way around. It says, recycle me, cut a corner, uh, empty non-toxic contents into the trash. Recycle plastic pack. So once again, if I were to cut the corner, this does not have any label that says anything about what the contents is. It only says product is non-toxic, not for human consumption, not to be used on body or medical injuries, keep out of reach of children. <laughs> it sounds so, like they want you to think it's non-toxic, but they don't really know. The only way that we would be able to really know, and this I didn't notice this before, so I think as part of uh, my due diligence is that I can call them and ask them the content. And I will have a follow-up to this because I didn't notice this before, right, on the bottom. So they have a bigger ice pack on the bottom of this lined box, right, to keep the food cold during shipping. Now this, like I said, it took two and a half days to get thawed out. So these things stay really, really cold, hence why they do not want you to put it on your body. The reason why is because you probably will get an ice burn. Now there's ways to prevent ice burns and I've personally had an ice burn and it hurts. So what happened? I need to know that story. I hurt my knee and I had a ice pack and I left it on during a nap. No, actually I left it on during a drive when I was driving onto bare skin and I just thought that the pain that I was feeling was because my, my <laughs> knee. Uh, knee was numb, <laughs> but it was really me getting burned by the ice pack. Oh my and, God. And it really looked like a burn. So the, it was in a square. <laughs> so, so then now, your knee hurt even more. Oh yeah, it hurt even more. Now at the bottom of this box, this is why the HelloFresh uses the liner. You could see that this cardboard for those of you that can't see, it is a cardboard that says, don't forget about ingredients, which may be hiding under the ice. This cardboard is totally condensated with, it's dripping. You can see the water dripping. So this is why they put this liner in there because it does have condensation when it dries out. So I have a few questions for you that I should have asked throughout here. Well, let's start with this wet cardboard. So I am under the impression that all recyclables should not be wet. Why? Recyclables, when they're wet, they're usually considered contaminated. We want recyclables to be dry when it goes through in a bag. Now we understand that wet recyclables, especially paper, can grow a protrusible in less than a week. So, Like uh, bacteria? Correct. Anything that grows a protrusible mold, it has to be serviced once a week, at least here in California, meaning that anything that grows a mold, it has to be picked up once a week for health and safety reasons here. Now, this is why recycling should not be wet because if it has wet condensation, now I understand that if you put a plastic bottle in there and you have the lid on there, there's a little bit of water inside. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the whole can or the whole waste stream being soiled. That would then cause a protrusible to grow in that can over a week period of time. And it would go from being clean material to contaminated material with mold. Nobody in their mind wants to sort through moldy material. You are enlightening me, okay? <laughs> like, I knew that you were supposed to break down your cardboard boxes. I knew that recycling shouldn't be wet, but I didn't know why. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like my mind is just expanding. Great. Okay. My so next question this, was, you called the foil liner that helps keep everything cold and helps keep the moisture out tempered, I believe. 
Yeah. What is tempered material? So this material is able to keep heat in or keep cold in. So you see these bags a lot at maybe like the dollar store or Trader Joe's or something like that, where, you know, you have these tempered bags that you put your frozen material in or your things that maybe you're going to be growing grocery shopping for a little bit longer, you're running more errands and you use those bags so they don't go to room temperature. So it's avoiding room temperature on either spectrum, whether it's hot or cold. So this is why they use this tempered liner because they're trying to protect the box contents, which is in this case, the food from getting room temperature, because once it gets to room temperature, then it could spoil or some of it could go bad in a faster time. In this case, they're trying to keep it at a really, really cold temperature to, to preserve the contents in the food. Gotcha. Temporary turd. The last question I had that I didn't ask you earlier is on the box, it says something about a separator with recycling. Can you talk about what process they're talking about? Visit our site. Almost all our liners are recyclable, but we're working on it. But double check. Unpacked kit bags, they can go straight into their cycling with the separator. It sounds like that they're talking about the bag splitter. This is what my brain goes through. So anytime that uh, we get plastic bags at the MRF, there's a bag splitter that looks like a spinning blade. And that bag splitter is what splits the bags. And then from there, it goes down the line and that gets sorted using the MRF technology. Every MRF have just different aspects of technology that they're using, depending on what engineer and what company designed that MRF. It could vary. But in my opinion, this is what they're talking about. Or it could talk about separating it just very obviously, like separate the paper from the plastics, so to speak. It's not really clear in terms of, are they talking about a bag separator? Are they implying us that we need to separate? But it is implying that we need to separate the material out because in number, in number three, visit our site. Almost all of our liners are recyclable. We're working on it, but double check. Well, we know already based on one packet, okay, that this is not recyclable. Now this one says recyclable only where facilities exist to find. The double liner of this foil liner and cardboard liner, it says it's recyclable, but you need to do the research to find out where I can take it. <laughs> so, it's just like the Tetra packs, right? Like, correct, exactly. I would encourage all listeners to take 10 minutes, go to your recycling waste management website, give them a call. You know what? I love to call them and talk to them because sometimes their website isn't quite clear or up to date, you know? give them a call, spend 10 minutes, you know, they do so much service for us by getting rid of our waste or recycling that we should do a service for them of understanding what we can properly recycle, right? So this goes into that wish cycling bucket, in my mm -hmm. professional opinion. The only time that this becomes something that you can truly recycle is when you have a lot of it. And I don't know about you, but none of us want to collect these over a year span, which will end up getting 12 or 24 or max, right? If we're buying one or two a month. And then we have to still do the research to find out which facility we can send it to. Somebody that's buying this is obviously wanting to do what's right to reduce food waste though, because they're buying the approximate amount per meal. This particular person buys the meals for two people. It could feed two people is what I'm saying. This is a perfect segue into one of my most favorite studies comparing the carbon emissions and environmental impact of a grocery meal compared to a meal kit meal.
one of my favorite researchers, because I'm a total nerd and I have a favorite researcher, is Dr. Miller at University of Michigan. So Dr. Miller does lots of sustainability research, and she did a study, uh, a life cycle analysis of a meal kit meal compared to its exact replica of a grocery meal. And the meal kit meal won out in terms of lower impact. There are several reasons, most of which is the food waste. So the reduce in the food waste, you are only getting in your meal kit what you will consume in that meal. Okay, and so I've had people argue with me that don't really like this conclusion of this study. People argue, well, I'm going to eat everything that I buy, so you can't put my food waste as an emission. And I would beg to differ. There is so much food waste and I just cannot believe that somebody will eat everything that they buy, you know, just as a typical person. So one of the reasons why meal kits are better is you have minimal food waste. The second is that the delivery and the supply chain is streamlined. It's a huge emission for you to drive to the store, pick up the stuff and come back versus this efficient way of a truck delivering several meals in one trip. I figured out how much you would produce, produce, pun intended, about 0.45 kilograms of CO2 more per trip to drive yourself. So you produce more CO2 driving yourself to the store than getting it delivered. Here's another huge thing. Okay, by far, no matter what you were ordering, either the meal kit or at the grocery store, the largest emissions came from red meat. That is not surprising at all. If people really truly want to reduce their emissions when it comes to food, it's about reducing meat consumption. And that is preached in so many different places, but it is the truth. So those were, those were the big takeaways. Reduced waste and it's less emissions for the transportation. Just to say one more thing, it also shows that Sometimes our gut feeling about what's better for the environment isn't always true. And you really got to do the research and read the studies. There's two things I got to say about what you just were sharing, which is on the back end of groceries. And being that I have had a grocery as a client and understand what their food waste or what their waste stream looks like. And they do have to throw away any food that's expired. So if somebody doesn't come in to buy the food that's on the shelves, they have to dispose of it in a proper way so nobody can steal it or take it or eat it and get sick and sue them. Not only this thought process of like, oh my gosh, I'm having to have this material sent to me so I can cook. The other aspect is the routing aspect of the delivery. The routing aspects of delivery is meant to be condensed. So these are condensed routes. It's important that we take that into consideration. Now, those that were to say, Oakley, I don't like this study. This is baloney. Well, then walk to the grocery store. There is this man. This is a a story of this gentleman that was overweight. So his way of losing weight was to walk to the grocery store to buy his food. Two things what this did for him is that he was not going to buy more food than he needed to eat because he had to carry it back. He worked out, which is something that he didn't do. And it took about a mile, I think a mile and a half for him to get there and back. So that's a pretty good, you know, 20 minute walk if you don't walk fast like me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it's a 20 minute walk for a mile and a half for sure. Maybe 25. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's easily. Um, 
So I think that this is a really good point. There's aspects of the supply chain that people don't know about and how the corporations like grocery stores, how they have to handle food waste. The other thing too, that we have to take into consideration because not everything is so rigid. We're not trying to preach people to be rigid. We want people to do it imperfectly anyways. We rather oh, people yeah. make an effort to do it imperfectly than not even make an effort at all, Right. The other thing that, you know, I was thinking about was like, why do people put plastic around particular fruits and vegetables? Why do they do this? Now, this is to what you said, all of us in the industry, like don't put plastic around a cucumber. Well, for those states that like in the Midwest that do not have access to fresh produce, that's actually preserving the cucumber to get to them. You're going to minimize food waste. So yes, it is irking to put the plastic around something that has its own protective, but we're extending the life of that food to get to somebody so it won't be wasted. We need to have these hard to like conversations around, well, not everything needs to be so rigid. You are just preaching to the choir. And I think that this is one of the key principles of what we want to communicate in this podcast, right? Is that, is this huge blinking sign that says trade-offs. Yes. You know, like it is a trade-off to order a meal kit and have all the packaging that maybe is, is something that you really care about and you don't want to throw away any of this plastic or you walk to the grocery store because your health matters to you. You know, like there is this entanglement of values and how those values translate to the impact on the environment. And it's always a trade-off because that meal kit delivery still has an impact. Mm -hmm. Dr. Miller may have shown that it has a lower impact typically than a grocery store meal. But again, it's about your values and the trade-offs, right? And, and the cucumber example is a perfect example. It's like, yes, we have this plastic film that we have to throw in the landfill, but we're reducing food waste. You know, here, uh, because of COVID, I started a victory garden and they used to have these victory gardens during the depression and people would grow their own food because of rations, right? Well, another way that people could really reduce is to grow their own food. I understand that a lot of people do do it and it's not easy. And I'm not saying that I'm the best at it, but I was successful for the first time. And I think it was something that, Hey, I didn't have anything else to do. I wanted to provide a way for my family to eat. And so there's things that we could do too, and doing the farmer's markets and walking to them as well. For those people that live in urban sustainable designs, where the grocery stores are within walking distance, right? The farmer's markets are local farmer's markets. These are supporting small businesses. These are supporting our local economy. This is a win-win-win, okay? The trade-offs of being able to bring your own reusable bags to buy these types of things where you're minimizing the waste. The ultimate ideal situation is to walk to the farmer's market to buy from local farmers or bakers or whatever, and then walk back. Now, not all of us have that privilege. Not all of us have that access. So we understand that. We also want to be mindful to provide solutions for people that don't have access to that either. And so what are those trade-offs? Like you said, and I think we highlighted today some really valuable ones of like guaranteeing fresh food to people. But the trade-off is you have a film that you have to go to the landfill. But I'd rather have a film that go to the landfill than somebody die from hunger, right? Like so. Well, well, and well, and the meal kit, of course, is a privilege too, because those things aren't cheap. 
And the person who you were talking about, the man who walked to the grocery store, some people live in food deserts and they cannot walk to the grocery store. So perfectly imperfect is what we're asking for, right? We're exactly. and, and at some point, I really believe this, you can drive yourself so crazy and get so overwhelmed. You know, like I don't want to drive anybody to insanity or extremism here. My best friends could tell you that I'm one of those people that's extremist. So <laughs> I do take things polar opposite. <laughs> it's either all good or all bad. Yeah, I'm all in or I'm all out, you know. <laughs> but I do think there's this thing where we have climate guilt, right? We've talked about it in some of our uh, Women in Clean Tech and Sustainability events and other events where we have this climate guilt or feeling guilty for not holding ourselves up to these principles that we allot on ourselves and we put on ourselves. And these are convictions that many of us that are in the clean tech and sustainability space that we adopt over time, right? If I'm dying of thirst and I do not have my reusable water bottle, I am going to go buy a thing of water because I'm rather not have a headache and make myself miserable. Now, am I proud of that? Am I going to be parading that? I'm open to say that I'm doing imperfectly. Right. I know that at a, on a daily basis that we practice using uh, reusable items in our home, but we also understand that when you have a large family, sometimes, or when you entertain, sometimes you don't want to use dishes and you just want to use paper plates. And I don't want to feel guilty about it because, <laughs> you know, paper plates are compostable and I'm okay with that. Yes. Yes. So it all goes back to values. And I think because I'm a nerd and I'm an engineer and I'm a scientist, you know, I love to read these research papers and find out what is the answer numerically, statistically, but that may not align with all people, but it's not black and white. I mean, that's what makes this so difficult, truly. And I think that that's why so many people crave answers and it is so difficult to give a straight answer because of this blinking, flashing sign that is trade-offs. I have to say my values around the things that I purchase, A, first and foremost, I do have the convenience to shop at a grocery store. I have a really large family. So, you know, on an average night, we're feeding a minimum of four to six people a night, which I think is a good size family. Like it's a... So... My values are really around the quality of the food and as well as the how I can avoid wasting food. We just do not waste food. You know, when we do, I do feel guilty about it and it does happen. So my values are really around minimizing food waste. It is one of the biggest things that goes to the landfill. And if I could avoid it by my purchasing habits and having a plan, do plan meals at our house. So we do kind of have an idea of what we're going to eat that week. And, you know, as a family, we take turns cooking. So I think it's important that we understand the culture of each families too, because each family, maybe they don't have the time to cook and doing something like this is going to help them minimize food waste. But on another aspect, the trade-off is, is they may have some more landfill. I feel like the theme of what we're asking people to do is to dig deep and understand what your beliefs are and to, to be conscious. We're asking not perfection, but about conscious choice. And if it's, I'm slapping some food on a paper plate so that I can feed my family and that's what I can do today, then that's, that's it. The only thing is to be conscious of it and to say, I am intentionally making that choice. I agree. 
it's all you know being conscious is the number one thing the number one thing and being aware and it's you know for me the other value that i have is education and getting that information out in a simple way and also being really resourceful so i think it's important that like it's kind of a drag that to recycle this dual material foil liner and cardboard i have to do some research i think for consumers it should be a little bit more easier but mm-hmm. we're in the day where it's not. And so part of having this conversation is we're all those places. So I hope that on our next call and on our next talk that I will have some more answers around uh, where some of these facilities are and really calling this manufacturing company to find out what the heck is in this ice pack. Like, why is it say non-toxic and why keep away from children? <laughs> I have a yeah. child. So what's this ice pack going to do if a child gets a hold of it? I think in this, we have two other topics. And, you know, I kind of expected us to, I'm so glad where the conversation went today. We will have to have at least two other episodes, one on takeout containers and composting. Yeah, I agree Um, with you. We're all just doing the best we can. Be perfectly Mm -hmm. imperfect. Exactly. Thanks for joining us today. Have any questions or comments for us? Have a question on what the hell to do with something? Join our community and our Facebook group, What the Hell Do I Do With This? Community. And any reference photos will be on our Instagram page at WTH Do I Do With This? If you want to learn more about living a sustainable lifestyle or have a business that wants to improve its waste management or circular economy, visit leveluppplanet.com. We'd like to thank our editor, Magden Geip, and Danny Finkelstein and Harley Stewart at Fight Night Records for our intro music. See you next time.